Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of People Like Games. Oh, and free tax stone. Just to give a quick breakdown of the format of the show, um, the first part of the show we're going to spend covering a couple of topics that are uh, important in the gaming industry and sphere. It's going to cover from development updates to releases to uh, coverage of esports and tournaments. Um, Then the second part of the show will be a sort of in-depth analysis of a particular topic. Um, For example, this week we'll be talking about loot boxes um, and whether the U.S. should look to regulate it in the same way uh, it regulates the gambling industry. Uh, And then for our final part, we're going to be interviewing someone from the industry. This week we're going to have on Benjamin Boxer, who is the CEO of a cloud uh, gaming company titled Parsec. Uh, You can check out their product at parsec.tv. And so here with me today is uh, my good friend and soon to be a very common commentator on this show, uh, Tralfi. That's the Tralfalmadorian or resident alien and shaman uh, will be discussing games with me yo 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 how's your day going buddy so he just downloaded the new prince persia i have no interest in playing it i'll be frankly honest that series sort of peaked with the second game yeah um oh second game in florence was like oh my god it's the best game the best game i mean i think it's agreed upon that that one is the best game yeah this one's getting pretty good reviews they they messed it up like in the past ubisoft with like not focusing on pc and just doing too many things at once and but they i mean they've been trying harder lately i think it's been noticeable yeah so I'm i mean i just try this one out yeah. i just i honestly don't get the point of setting it in egypt because like uh, what type it's not of my sh- first choice exactly i want, I want japan exactly I want, like, samurais samurais that would have been a great era you know they rooftops, did tops like it makes sense rooftops like, like there's no fucking rooftops like, in not, ancient egypt like. yeah i think they're like I mean, I just... Uh, it reminds me of the scene in Spider-Man Home. Do you see Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, it's great. In in the scene when he's in the suburbs, and I always thought about it with Spider-Man. With, oh, with yeah. Spider-Man. I don't know yeah, that. exactly. Like, What's the... Keep going. If he's in the suburbs. And well, when he's when he's running, and then he, like, falls, and then there's the whole, like, the grass. He's like, he's like God, when he says something, he's like, exactly. oh, He crap. realizes that, like, there's no buildings to swing on, so... I love that. It was a good choice by a director on that. It was a great choice by the director on that. And he's so, like, like... He's not... You can't use him in every situation. He's not all powerful. Exactly. And so... <laughs> To that degree, I was like, this should be pretty... Uh, Just magical. It, it, so again, yeah, definitely not the first option. But at the same time, I'm sure it's going to be good. Um, but regardless, let's uh, get into some of these topics. The first um, is the one that I guess is a bit or the most obvious for everyone. Um, that is uh, the PUBG updates coming uh, this November. Big PUBG fans. Big PUBG fans. Uh, I mean, we deal with it. All res- all, everyone has their complaints. It's, it's early access. I, but it, that's why we're talking about it, because you talk about early access games. Exactly. Well, the conversation went from how fun it was to now how sort of glitchy and <coughs> uh, how many hackers. Now that they have do. all this money and stuff, like how are they are they dealing with this appropriately? Does it look like they're heading in the right direction? Like, I mean, so they're adding vaulting and jumping um, and they're also going to be making the blue zone uh, or the blue areas more deadly which I feel, already feel like they do enough damage um, to begin with I know they have this new update coming next week where the further uh, uh, deep you are in the blue zone the more damage you'll take so it'll be like scaled like that so it's not like so if you're like really far out you take more damage than someone who's like really close to hitting getting into the zone that makes sense that yeah makes that's sense. like an obvious change I don't know why it would take them I feel like that'd be pretty quick to program but that's like what they're doing and maps and obviously focusing a lot on Xbox because that's where you make money yeah exactly I'm, I'm sure dividing it into a, a, a console release and a simultaneous PC release wasn't the most ideal situation for them but um, that's regardless I'm sure they'll be able to or the game will look much different um, in it's the coming really months, exactly. Which is weird that so we many know we, people we know we want people. games like this. This is a fun game. Like we want this game. Yeah, I know. We want it to be good. We all want it to be good. Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, Sean about this the other day. I was like, "Yo, there's 
that in Fortnite, like, you know, the Battle Royale it's concept so is just really popular now, and they could it's really so adapt that in a lot of ways. But regardless... Um, it's like a style that's here to stay. It's, yeah, like, the, it's like the Counter-Strike style. Exactly. It's not, it's, it, I don't know why people think it'll be big <coughs> um, for esports. <coughs> I really don't think it will be. Um, I think it's going to be relatively limited. There's a lot of... They're going to have to make a lot of changes to make it eSports ready. Yeah, exactly. They're going to figure out the viewing options. That's about it. Even when I went to ESL and, and at Barclays, what they don't have is the ability for you to see whatever player you want to see. You're always stuck with what they're showing you, and like you miss some of the action. Like They can't jump to the monitors quick enough. Like Give me the option to see whoever I want to see. Don't give me what you what what I want me to it. see. It's like the age to do it in, too. Like you got Twitch. And stuff. Exactly. Like, like, you could easily. You could, I mean, maybe not easily. You should be it can be done. Yeah. Well, that should be really hard to do. It would be, be really good, but it would be worth it. It would be the worth fans it. Fans would love it. Absolutely. Um, so perfect. So now, um, next, we were talking about uh, Cuphead. Um, so cool. There was a recent article on Paste Magazine that um, about the uh, difficulty of the game being unfair, and I guess not even on Paste, a lot's been written about the game being too hard. Um, what do you make of that? Fucking, fucking pussies. <laughs> I, no, it's everyone's entitled to their opinion. Obviously, I just completely disagree with it. You know, like I, I feel like it's 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 the difficulty isn't impossible. It's not like frustrating. Oh, I'm like, not disagreeing that it's hard. It is crazy, ridiculously hard. If you're not like used to like a game like that, like a what they call like a bullet hell game, yeah, where you just get like a million like things thrown at you on the screen it's all about like dodging and getting in like, your shots and stuff like and it's all about predictability it's like Galaga it's like the yeah. biggest one that people remember exactly like, like, not it, the first one but it's, like it, it, if you could hard. time the movements there, it, it's a predictable game it's not all yeah, just yeah. a random mess they throw in some randomness in there but like you don't remember moves and stuff but like and it's hard I understand that but like that's the point of it there are easy games too like like what do you think is going to happen like every single game is going to be this hard now like why <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw that they, people wanted um they wanted a, a skip boss button and like ninety percent of the game's bosses. Yeah, exactly. So like that's the game. The game is mostly the bosses. It's the whole point. And, yeah. like characters and they want to skip those parts. Would like, have been unfair to. I mean, it's not even unfair. Like once they release the game of the year edition, I'm sure they're gonna give options for easy, medium, and difficult. I mean, they have like simple and you can practice on like a yeah, user but, mode but you can't go forward with it that's true there's no progression you can't when you have to beat on the regular one to continue go through the story game and even see the rest of the game that's true that's true well um next up e-league um the turner sports uh esports league is being sued by adidas uh for their logo which happens to be three stripes for the e um adidas filed a claim with the united states patent and trademark office claiming that uh it's three strikes were too similar and uh the filing is under the guise that it would dilute the strength of the adidas logo as a hallmark of authentic adidas goods so that's a little bit of a setback um you know i love frivolous into you know trademark lawsuits you know but <laughs> usual the usual but what can i say you know it's sort of like samsung and apple this is going to just drag out until esports or ely comes with up with a better logo now that i look at it again it is sort of a copy um, <laughs> yeah, we'll take a look. Oh, copy of Adidas? Yeah. Wait, so they're getting sued by Adidas because their logo looks similar? Yeah. That's kind of bullshit. I mean, I, I sort of get it. Well, actually, you know like what? You know what? Now I'm looking at it, and I'm, I was thinking about the Adidas logo in my head. Like, yeah, it's pretty. If they just slanted at a slight, like, you know, 15, 30 degrees It's more. enough that a good amount of people would mistake it for Adidas because yeah. people aren't smart. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, too many people would not know that that's not Adidas. That I agree with. Um, you gotta and you gotta make sure Adidas keeps their billion money. Like, yeah, I mean, Adidas, Adidas is on the up and up, so it only makes sense. Um, and so next up, um, South Park, uh, the fractured butthole review. Um, it was alright. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, that's about it. I mean, if you're a fan of the series, you'll enjoy playing the game. Um, I agree. You know. 
I mean, I agree. It it's, it's definitely needs to be bought and played, though. Like, it's fun. Like, it's fun. You're, you're I mean, the battle, the battle. If you're a South Park fan, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Otherwise, sure. otherwise, no, because the battle system improves. You know, from the first game. It's not as cool though. The heroes. I mean, I like that the heroes, and I love everything they do. The storyline's like, weak, and I sort of expect. Okay, also, yeah. I almost. I, I always expect an emphasis on a funny story. Like I sort of get the, you know, uh, superhero. Thing. I don't know. It just didn't make any points at all whatsoever but it was yeah. a fun game you know so they have like a little worth playing i mean same thing undertone. i said about you know the uh was a stick of truth i was like actually that was a better game i like the story in stick of truth yeah but i wish they had this uh battle system like we said hopefully they make a third game and incorporate both albums. yeah i mean this is not the time in that studio the tiny ubisoft yeah. monkey san francisco development team to stop making south park games keep making south park games it's fine yeah. agreed Agreed. But just make a better story next time. Yeah, we're just telling you, you know, those are the things that you should improve upon. Sorry. Uh, next up, um, Xbox uh, One is introducing backwards compatibility for original Xbox games, uh, beginning with 13 titles. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Ninja Gaiden Black, Crimson Skies, Future Friendly, Prince of Persia, Psychonauts, Dead to Rights, Black, Grabbed by the Ghoulies, Sid Meier's Pirates, Red Faction 2, Blood Rain 2, and the King of Fighters, Neo Wave. Um, it'll be pretty cool to play Kotar again. Especially, they said, because they increased you the play brackets. on your phone. But there are definitely some... You ever play Black? Oh my god, that game. Look no, at, I don't even know what it is. Google it right now. It was like... It came out late. If, if this is the game I'm thinking of with all like the crazy guns and stuff, and I think it is, it came out late in the Xbox's like, development, and people went like nuts for it. The people who knew about it. It was just like... Oh, yes, I have heard of this. Yeah. Game. It's just like the graphics just like blew people out of the water. Like, you know, it's like one of those late system games that like come out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. I don't even know anything about this game. I just remember that it was very memorable. Yeah. It was, was like my first time I saw Call of Duty-ish gameplay where it's like, like, like I'm just like this like juggernaut just destroying everything in my path. Just like, you know, like... Yeah. Just this monster soldier that's like kills like... No one like... I don't, I don't know. I don't know war or anything. Like, does anyone win like get a medal for killing like 200 like 300 people like that's like what that is like you just plow through that's true that's like, very feel true. like a monster like a soldier then so that should be cool um i mean they i was pretty happy yeah, they introduced uh the 360 compatibility a while back i mean once they expanded those titles it's like the right, it's the just, right thing to do to be honest yeah making like nintendo's like uh eShop, like how you get like old games on there is yeah. like you know yeah I mean I definitely think the backwards compatibility with better business model but I don't know how hard it is to like program like your system to be able to do that like yeah to be able to play team. I'm pretty sure they have a backwards compatibility team yeah I'm sure a lot of the code needs to be rewritten to be adapted to some of the new uh, languages yeah, meanwhile like on Nintendo you could just build an emulator on your new system yeah that's true also I don't know if that's how they do it though I mean it's, it could do it like some crazy special way brings us to the next topic uh, the Xbox One X is out um um, with a price tag of five hundred dollars, um, is that worth the mid-gen console upgrade to you, with no exclusive titles and the requirement of a four K TV to actually make use of it? My opinion on that is always. My uh, PC. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. My PC. On one can yeah. like there's a, there's a rule though to it. If the cost of the system, if you can get a PC for the same price as a system, and even if like you get like a minimum like nine seventy or something, if you can build a five hundred dollar PC, it will be infinitely better than that Xbox One. Like even a beginner's PC, like you just upgrade. Every new system comes out, you can just get another video card. But like I understand it's not for everyone. Consoles need to exist. There's definitely a market for that. Not everyone has the time to. Like computers, computers are a hobby. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. It's not worth it because it depends if you have an Xbox One already. If you do, probably not. Probably no, not even if you don't, you're gonna pay 150 dollars more for a 4K. You know, there's a very small market that they're appealing to with that. Yeah, um, not, I mean, some games are optimized for it, but not like a lot of them. I know, like Assassin's Creed is like super optimized for it, but I know, but that's a, that's a that's a. It's not like you can put in Skyrim and now Skyrim's gonna be better necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they have, like, like some updates and patches here and there, but I don't see it being like oh huge major update. Yeah, that I totally agree with. Well, unless you do mods or some shit, it's not even worth it at that point. Mods. You could just literally just play the same game on a PC and get those graphics. Yeah, um, but it's just 
like if you can get a PC and you're like that hobbyist person, like I think it's a good hobby to have in general. It's just good to know how to fix computers. That's true. That's also very true. It's a huge part of your life. Um, speaking of Xbox, yeah. actually redesigned its UI UX. Um, it's all right. I mean, it is. It's still sort of silly using a lot of ads? board system. No. That's good. No, no. I hate when they have like shitload of like ads. Like, yeah, yeah. PlayStation does that. Uh, it's <laughs> you already got your system. Yeah. Why well, you already paid for it? Why are you throwing more ads? How much more money? Well, speaking need? of uh, unnecessary What's price selling? gouging, um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which looks, looks dope. super dope. Oh yeah. Um, looks actually like a, a Marvel vs. Capcom two version of Dragon Ball Z fighting game, which is like I think they like some a fever dream of mine. So, and I'm yeah. Glad. yeah. You were so addicted. That <laughs> and game. so yo Dreamcast forever. Yeah. Um, but with the little cartridge with the little visual thing on it, it was, yeah, was a It was all white. I swear, Apple. I'm telling you, man. Know. Steve Jobs looks at it. Oh, I, Steve Jobs don't do Dreamcast. I guarantee it. You didn't get that aesthetic sense from anywhere. I told you, he Steve Jobs loved uh, Nintendo. He was very obs- Oh no, wait. Sorry, no, I'm an idiot. Nintendo is very obsessed with with Apple. Oh, obviously. I bet Jobs give a shit about <laughs> But speaking of the price, um, the game release, uh, they announced the release date. It's going to be January 28th, uh, 2018. But they also announced that they were going to be releasing a uh, DLC package, which included uh, eight new characters for $35, <laughs> which sort of means that they're going to be releasing something you have to pay an additional $35 for in addition to the game, which could be theoretically in the same fucking package, but that's like this DLC yeah, shit is getting out of uh, out of hand. Like it's been out of hand. It's it's been out of hand. Like to be able to say that yo, we have a ready product and we can sell it to you for X price. Oh, just kidding. Guess what? You need this because we just gave you a limited version of that for the advertised price. Like they should announce yeah. ahead of time that yo. This game will be 65, and then we'll have three DLCs, which will include these at the time of the launch. You can't pull that shit in at last second. Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's definitely, like, I understand, like, they're trying to come up with new ways to make money and stuff, like DLC, like, monetization and stuff. Like, it's it's a lot of money to make a video game, and there's no guarantee it's going to be successful. Like, there are good ways and bad ways to do it, you know? Like, yeah. advertising is, is, like, an unnecessary evil. This like, is vulture you know, capitalism, and I don't yeah. like, I don't yeah, respect vulture capitalism. It's way too, it's like... It's like giving you, like, it's like a hand giving you chocolate and, like, bringing you towards it. It's like, yeah, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can't see me, but... That, that's 100% true. true. Um, uh, which, speaking of, now back to unethical practices. Um, yeah, more. Activision, of course. Oh, no. How shocking. Feign surprise. Pretend to be shocked gif. Um... Activision just received a new patent for a system that encourages gamers to buy in-game items by leveraging its matchmaking system. Now, what does that mean? That means matchmaking matchmaking systems would pair bad players alongside more experienced players to subtly influence their purchasing decisions. So if you're a level three and you play with a guy with better guns and armor and he's killing it, and then you have the option to suddenly buy those items because you'll be like, oh, wow, that person was way better than me. I want to get better. But at the same time, once you buy the items, then it's going to match make you into a situation that allows you to make use of the exact thing you just bought, therefore making you able to feel validated. It is some weird behavioral psychology, psychological patent on a software algorithm some that is sort of creepy crazy person at that company was just like hey i got this crazy i mean scheme. i get that but that's a that's the right word it's a scheme it's not yeah. a patentable concept that's scheme. like the definition of a scheme honestly the patent and, and ip situation and trademark system is broken as well alongside everything else but that's besides the point that is sort of like a unfair a lot of broken sort of unethical sort of situation um, which sort of ties to loot boxes later. Um, yeah. And which actually I'm going to jump into right now, which is Twitch uh, joined the loot box craze. Oh, yeah. Um, they have a Halloween promotion um, for a special emoji, or uh, Halloween crate that unlocks an emoji. There's six available emojis, and they cost about 250 bits each, which is like $2.50. Um, they... Uh, there's six available, but 
if you get all six, then you unlock a secret seventh one. And so that, to me, is sort of preying on a very particular type of market as well. What do they call it in mobile gamers? That sort of small percentage of oh, people? Uh, whales. Whales. Yeah. 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 In case anyone... This is something that people might actually not know, because like I've been like in that like part of the industry before, believe it or not. Like... They're like most of the money that like mobile games make is from like the one. I mean, I think South Park does something about this, but they're 100% true. Make most of their money through 1% of their gamers. Like, can't like that. I'm talking about like Angry Birds or like more like, uh, what's that stupid Candy, Candy Crush. Crush? I even was it Candy uh, Crush, Classic Clans. Yeah, was that was, was that one I'm playing now? Is that Civilization Clash? Basically, it's like one, it's basically like 1% of Clash Royale. Of, yeah. 1% of their um, uh, players make up, like, 80% of their profit. Like, that's how, like, ridiculous it is. Like, just milking the shit out of, like, just, like, I mean, it's still a good amount of people. 1% of, like, how many people download Candy Crush, you know? Like, everyone. I still see people playing the shit. Yeah, that's true. I, I always think To have location today to find me, kill me. I always think that those <laughs> games that. that sort of, like, match three things and it pops thing died, like, five years ago and then I get on the train and there's like every other person yeah. is playing it it just moves up the chain like now it's just old people playing it but they're, but they're basically that was a QTV market so they're <laughs> susceptible to That's buying right. that shit too so it's its own form of preying on a different demographic if you haven't realized like most, how many times do people want to play Bejeweled it's like Bejeweled but like with the shit's flying at the screen. Exactly. It's giving you like, yeah, you win, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. Just like over and over and over and over again. Dude, there, there, there's definitely a science to it. Um, there is. There's definitely a science to it. That's how they're able to milk people. Yeah. It's psychological manipulation, but, you know. That's what marketing is. It is marketing, but like, this is like, it feels like a different level of, yeah. Of, of mining for money yeah. just because I guess it's immoral is what it is it is it's a, it, they are immoral uh, systems majority of them but at the same time um, yeah, how are you gonna like it's not the system we should be work, like out of all immorality immoral systems relative anyway no, even, yeah, but even in relative scale like if you like out of every immoral system in the world right now we don't, have to worry. we don't have to be worrying about that. Like, there's so much worse and more. Like, you look, you look in at the, the White in House, the, you know? In the scheme of things. So fast. In the scheme of things, it's, it's not the worst. But yeah. it's definitely something or a, a system or concept that should be, you know, regulated to a certain degree. Because I mean, once gaming, it starts, like, really hurting people, then I'll give a shit. But, like, it's just, like, a couple of dollars. Yeah. Relatively speaking, but like hundreds on it. Um, anyway, uh, coming up next is our uh, analysis and our um, study of loot boxes and whether they should be regulated um, here in the U.S. This is not an advertisement. Oh, and free tax stone. So for today's topic, we're going to focus on loot boxes and the question of whether they constitute gambling. So um, if you're a gamer, there's a, a good chance that recently you've noticed that uh, loot boxes in particular have become uh, quite the issue uh, given the number, number of AAA features rather uh, that they happen to be jumping into, whether it is the new uh, Shadow of War, um, whether it is the Star Wars Battlefront 2 that's coming out, or um, where is the last game? Uh, or, you know, in particular for me, um, it begins with Overwatch. So the questions come to the forefront as people start to realize that there's a great element of randomness in the loot boxes. And what does that mirror? In particular, it seems very much like slot machines. And so if you are to assume that, you know, a majority or a good percentage of gamers are going to be underage, um, then you also have to take into account what these loot boxes uh, can do in those situations and why they aren't regulated. Um, and this really has become an issue uh, even moving towards uh, the government in uh, recent times when a, a British MP uh, was given a petition that reached almost 10,000 signatures about whether um, 
they were going or the government was going to do anything to uh, make sure that uh, you know, vulnerable adults and children are protected from uh, the economic consequences because if you are uh, in any way familiar, familiar rather with uh, microtransactions and mobile games, you know that uh, parents who give their kids a phone suddenly have to start worrying about uh, the ability to uh, or the ability of their children to be able to spend massive amounts of money without really having uh, an ability to stop them. Uh, and especially since nowadays, most uh, of mobile games or even mobile apps, whether you pay for them or not, are going to require you to put a credit card uh, in uh, just to stand by. Then, you know, if you have ever used or if you have an iPhone, you can't download an app unless you have a credit card uh, stored in as information. And so the question was recently brought up to the ESRB, uh, which is the Entertainment Software Rating Board, about whether um, it should be considered gambling. And they had quite the uh, political answer to uh, put it politely, um, as they told Kotaku just, I believe, last week, uh, while there's an element of chance in these mechanics, the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content. Uh, we think of it as a similar principle to collectible card games. Sometimes you'll open up a pack and get a brand new holographic card you've had your eye on for a while, but other times you'll end up with a pack of cards you already have. Which is fair, don't get me wrong, you know, that's not to say that, you know, this is as, uh, as comparable to gambling as, say, you know, playing blackjack is, but, you know, when you're moving towards these AAA titles that you're paying a full $60 for, or in the case of Overwatch, you're paying $40, and there's no access to even using in-game currency to buy some of these things, it starts coming to the point of, is this not a economic exploitation of users? Um, you know, if you've ever played a game, for, you know, say League of Legends or Overwatch, you know, League of Legends is actually a bit more fair because they allow you to buy uh, any items that you want uh, directly. And so if in the case of Overwatch, they had different skins, emotes, whatever the case is, um, working for different prices, um, then I'd be like, okay, that is fair. Um, you know, that allows, you know, if you have a specific item for a specific amount of money, it's obvious, it's laid out in front. But America, and in particular why I keep circling back to Overwatch, is that there's no statistics or probabilities as to what you're going to get. Um, I don't believe that they ever did that with the cards or playing cards either, which now in retrospect seems a bit more exploitative if I think about it, especially growing up in the Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh era. Um, you know, and I, and I say this because there is regulation. Um, uh, or there rather is uh, regulation going on. It just happens to not be um, in America. So if you go to China or Japan, Japan in particular, which is where this uh, economic model ended up starting, it ended up sort of weakening a little bit. But uh, if you go to China, they recently in the past year or in 2016 rather passed a law um, which actually is one of the most progressive laws I've ever seen on the matter. Um, and so basically what it stipulates is that online game publishers shall promptly, and this is from uh, Kotaku, by the way, by Nathan Grayson, great article from November of 2016. Online game publishers shall promptly publicly announce information about the name, property, content, quality, and here's the, the, the kicker, and draw forge probability of all virtual items and services that can be drawn forge on the official website or a dedicated draw probability webpage of the game. The information on draw probability shall be true and effective. Online game publishers shall publicly announce a random draw results of customers on notable places of official website or in-game and keep record for government inquiry. The record must be kept for more than 90 days. So basically um, what that means is that, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, what that means is that the probabilities have to be released out to the public. And that's something I think about in the case of Overwatch where if you are going to buy $40 worth of loot boxes, there's no probability of what the legendaries are. There's no probabilities or public rather, or not even a law regulating that there should be. Um, the probabilities of getting some of the items in game, which makes it utterly random and prime for exploitation. It's sort of like, you know, 
playing, uh, what's the difference between that and playing a, a, a scratch card or playing the lottery? You're basically paying for a probability, but there's at least probabilities for what you're likely to win when it comes to those. Because why? Because it's regulated and those entities are required to give the information out to the public so that they're not a sort of gambling ring. And I get it. Video games have become more expensive to make uh, in the past 20 years um, as, you know, systems increase and costs increase, etc. However, um, that doesn't justify uh, the nature of this, particularly, again, like as, a, as I was saying, because of uh, a youth-oriented demographic that's going to be playing. Um, you know, the ESRB, which is pretty, you know, tight-butted about, um, you know, trying to get people to play or purchase, um, you know, specifically rated games are actually suddenly casual when it comes to an actually exploitative concept in their game. Um, and, you know, granted, it's going to be the future of monetize, monetize, monetization, rather, for a lot of these video games. Um, but, you know, they really need to figure out a way to deter the younger players from being able to purchase these things and access them, especially as now we're going to see in the next, you know, 10, 15 years, the, the sort of massive growth of some of these uh, gaming companies and some of these games, you know, Overwatch is coming out with the Overwatch League next month. And, you know, once that starts, you know, promulgating through, you know, society, you know, more people come in, there's still going to be a requirement um, that, you know, these be regulated, if not like gambling, at least to the degree that there's zero reason that you can't see publicly where these statistics and probabilities lie um, in, in, a, in a public place. So, you know, this will be a short one for this week as more so to just leave you guys with the question um, as we get more information. I mean, this has been covered everywhere. If you uh, got get a chance, make sure to listen to Achievement Oriented, which is uh, on The Ringer. Um, great podcast on gaming as well. Shouldn't be upping my competition, but, you know, they had a great conversation on loot boxes uh, in the past week as well. Um, and, you know... Moving forward, how this, uh, you know, whether loot boxes are going to be proof that, you know, economics of video games are broken or is it going to become a mainstay? It looks like it was becoming a mainstay, but it's going to be likely up to uh, the degree or level of backlash they're going to get from gamers as to what they decide to do with that business model. So uh, be sure to check it out and I'll be sure to update this and see if uh, they might be able to way to get uh, gamers together and to create a uh, political movement um, to be able to get some of this or get some control uh, over these or at least, you know, figure out a way to pass progressive regulatory legislation the way, you know, historical democracies like China have done. Like, come on, son. But regardless, um, it's an interesting topic and it'll be one that will continue to be at the uh, forefront of the gaming conversation. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll end for the better, but I'll be sure to keep everyone updated. And um, now for uh, the final part of the uh, podcast, um, enjoy my conversation with uh, Benjamin Boxer, uh, again, the CEO of Parsec, a cloud computing game company. This is also not an advertisement, but really, three tax stones. Uh, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you for being uh, the inaugural interview. Um, <laughs> very much appreciated. Um, of course. So, um, if for everyone listening, I am actually an active user. However, um, Benji here is the CEO of a cloud gaming company titled Parsec.tv, or Parsec rather, and their website is Parsec.tv. Um, so just to talk a little bit about um, what you guys are doing, because I really think um, cloud gaming is going to be quite revolutionary, um, particularly with games becoming more popular and with hardware costs actually going up for a majority of these uh, computers, especially as as um, hardware requirements start going up. So if you could, uh, if we could take a few steps back and um, tell me where you guys sort of came up with the idea of um, Parsec. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so it's a good question. I mean, Chris and I have been friends for about 11 years and, and talking about different things we could start and where our, 
where our um, interests lie. And um, about two and a half years ago, Chris uh, was kind of on Hacker News, I think, and, and the guy named Larry Gaudia posted a, a, a blog post about how to hack Steam and Home Streaming to, to connect to a cloud machine. Um, it's kind of a famous blog post in terms of cloud gaming. And it, it kind of, it made, it, Chris realized that, you know, it didn't work that great when he tried it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, he thought maybe if we started from from the you know scratch and built a, a full stack of technologies specifically for the purposes of, of delivering low latency, high frame rate video over the wide area network, the internet, uh, then it might be possible. And so in February of 2016, we uh, bo- you know both kind of. Put down what we were doing before. I was the head of pro- I was the head of product strategy at NewsCred, which is a marketing software business. Mm-hmm. Chris was running his own his own com- company called Hoverhound, which helps people buy and build gaming PCs. Um, and so, and price comparison shopping and things like that. And we sort of just set up a bunch of experiments to see if we could make it work. And and uh, and you know, over the course of about. 12 months we kind of got to a prototype and and released it to the world uh and it was pretty pretty crappy to start i mean we uh you had to ter- use the terminal to log into the product and all sorts of stuff like that and we continue to have um you know ux the ui front end was never a thing that we were uh you know very focused on because for us it was all about building the best technology and making the best decisions for this type of, te- of software mm-hmm. um, at the low level. So all written in C and things like that uh, to make it so that you get the highest performance over the internet for low latency video mm-hmm. possible. And so, you know, after you guys built it and you, you know, didn't have a front end, was there any uh, part of the early stage processes where you guys felt that um, maybe technology was lagging behind? Because the closest comparison I can think of is sort of, um, say, like solar cell technology, whereas, you know, five years ago, you know, you are had such, such high prices for minimal amount of solar energy. Did you guys see from where you began this process a couple of years back to move? Moving forward, did you see the cost of cloud access start going down to make it more feasible, or do you guys not even think about the business end to begin with, and we're more focused on first seeing if the technology was viable, and then to add a business plan on top of it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, so. There's a couple things. Number one, we I mean, really we made a bunch of assumptions, mm-hmm. uh, and those assumptions are uh, people will get more and more bandwidth over time especially with 5G wireless coming out in the United States in 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's one gigabit per second bandwidth to your phone with a millisecond ping to the network. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, in order to be called 5G, it has to hit those hit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made the assumption that everyone will update their hardware to the point where it has either an H.264 or H.265 decoder. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a codec that is, and the decoder is low power and really powerful at decoding video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we made the assumption that the cloud providers would put a lot of GPUs in the cloud, not for gaming, but for um, for machine learning. Mm-hmm. And we assumed that a lot of people would start adding GPUs to the cloud and that they would be looking for ways to uh, sell time on those GPUs. And then finally, in terms of the business, in terms of pricing, uh, our assumption always is that prices come down in the cloud. Uh, I think that, you know, for CPU and SSDs and different things like that, uh, that trend has been basically, um, uh, you know, well, the prices come down exponentially. Absolutely. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but it's come down exponentially. And Amazon will always push prices down. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, I, I do want to clarify quickly that, you know, although Parsec has cloud gaming as one of the functionalities that you can use with it, that's actually not like what our our main goal is. Our main goal is to provide a platform for low latency connectivity 
um, for video with high frame rates. And the reason why that's our, our goal is that we're not really focused on the cloud machines. There are other companies out there that build and manage their own cloud machines for gaming. Mm-hmm. We don't really care so much about that. We care more about um, the streaming technology. Interesting. And then, um, you know, you, if you have a gaming PC, can be a host mm-hmm. and you can invite friends to play with you. So Parsec is really meant to be a social a way to socially play games as well. So if you want to play Cuphead with a friend who doesn't live in the same you know city as you, you can use Parsec to do so mm-hmm. and play uh, you know an offline co-op game online because Parsec provides the low latency streaming that makes that possible. So with this low latency streaming, if you guys aren't particularly focused on gaming, what would be then if if gaming was sort of the initial step and you guys are starting to add functionality? in terms of uh, being able to play uh, with another uh, or host uh, with a, another uh, gamer's hosting PC so you two can connect onto sort of the same uh, game and play multiplayer uh, from distances apart, where would the next sort of step be if the focus is on low latency streaming in addition to gaming, which is sort of a, an ideal uh uh, topic for, or at least a, an ideal uh, a subject for you guys to sort of focus on early on. Um, you know, what would the next moves be? Would it be in terms of video or video chats? Are you guys trying to add more of these sort of social uh, functionalities onto what you already have? Um, so, you know, the first thing is is that uh, let's get it. You know, we're very focused on getting it to be. Let's play games um, together. Or if I don't have a gaming PC. And my friend and I want to play together. We can put it, put you know, launch one in the cloud uh, and and connect to it via Parsec. Both of us connecting to it via Parsec. Um, you know, from there, uh, the, there's a lot that we can do. I mean, for the next few, you know, next couple quarters or six months, let's say, we're very focused on just making the streaming protocol really good and making it so that people can play um, on any device mm-hmm. wherever they are with their friends. Interesting, because, you know, it's definitely the case because as someone who uh, has a MacBook and who is never sort of able to jump into the PC realm, you know, I think it's been really... or you're, you you have such a huge market in casual gamers uh, that you'll be able to touch upon um, by you know trying to expand and focus on the streaming and the gaming. Um, do you guys think you'll ever be able to compete with uh, the quality of an actual in-home gaming PC experience, or is it more so for you know a, a more casual gamer to be able to play with friends who necessarily wouldn't have or didn't have the hardware to before? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anyone that claims that cloud, you know, online streaming, game streaming is going to match the quality of your local gaming rig Mm -hmm. is just lying. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, I mean, it'll never happen. Uh, There's just, the ping is going to add lag, right? Mm -hmm. You know, our software at at 240 millis, uh, sorry, 240 frames per second only adds like four milliseconds of, of lag. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've got you've got your um, you've got your ping from you to the host. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, with all that being said, is it perceptible? Is the question like, do you do you as a as a gamer notice it? Now, for some people, the perce- their perception is very high, mm-hmm. like a professional gamer, mm-hmm. right? And so they may say, yeah, I notice it. But for me, I mean, I play games all the time uh, remotely to my, you know, I've actually switched my gaming rig to one in the cloud. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't notice it. But again, that, that's a, a personal preference and personal, personal thing. And then I think, you know, it, the same goes for like, streaming uh, movies from the cloud or streaming uh, music from the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Like professional musicians probably don't listen to all their music streaming over the cloud because there's obviously loss in that in that sound. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, uh, a director or professional in the movie industry, I, I bet they still want use DVDs or, or things like that when they're trying to actually... Um, you know, really do their job. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't. I think it, it's important to distinguish between 
the different types of personalities and perception and, and what what the purpose and the, the goal is for gaming. That, uh, that I totally agree with in terms of the, the type of player you're going to be uh, focused on reaching, so which makes me think, has there been uh, any particular hurdles that you have faced or, you know, that you see in the marketplace in terms of getting people to try to adapt to or uh, understand how this sort of cloud gaming uh, uh, technology works? Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone that comes to our site is like, no, no freaking way. And mm-hmm. then they try it, and they're like, oh my gosh, it works. Uh, so, so, so the initial skepticism is usually the first bump. Yeah, that's the biggest. And then, you know, just getting people to hear about Parsec. I, you know, we don't have that many people that just, like, are Google searching for this right mm-hmm. now. So, um, you know, we just have to continue to build a great product, and with our users in mind and try and get it to be uh, reach as wide of an audience as possible. Absolutely. Have you ever thought about um, demoing at any sort of uh, conventions or trying to sort of go out and sort of, uh, I guess, set up a booth in these sort of uh, uh, conventions that happen occasionally? Are you guys just still, again, focused on still increasing the quality of what you have because you know as you said from starting to the terminal to the near seamless connection rate that you guys have now um has it you know what is sort of next steps that you guys hope to do in terms of uh moving the company forward aside from uh just working on the technology yeah i mean i think uh it would be great to go to conferences. They're expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have to judge whether it's worth our time. Uh, uh, but right now we're very focused on just getting the technology to be really good. And, you know, maybe in the long run we can afford to go to those conferences. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are there any um, trends in gaming right now that might make it a little tricky uh, or might be tricky rather for Parsec to adapt to, whether it's, you know, 4K uh, gaming now coming into popularity, particularly, I guess that's more so on console, um, but is a, either that or the space uh, requirements or the hardware requirements, is there any specific, again, trends either technologically, digitally, uh, in the gaming sphere that you guys are a little unexcited about and might have to adapt the technology for, or is it still going sort of in a same direction as you guys are working towards? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think that, and I don't, I don't believe that this is going to happen, but the main skepticism we hear a lot about the business and the technology mm-hmm. is that all gaming is going to the mobile phone. Um, I don't believe that that's I don't, true. I don't, I don't believe that either. Yeah, but that's where we get a lot of skepticism when we talk to people outside the company and who don't really know anything about gaming. Mm -hmm. Um, They are like, well, the mobile phone is the big gaming tool now, uh, and, you know, people aren't going to be playing these games that you're talking about, these, like, highly immersive games. I mean, that's obviously BS, but Mm -hmm. that's that's what we hear a lot. Uh, The other thing is, is that... You know, Parsec is really good for co-play and for multiplayer and things like that. If people don't build multiplayer games um, or kind of abandon the co-play gaming, mm-hmm. I guess that's uh, that would hurt our ability to, you know, make the social the social side of Parsec really fun. That's true. Um, the the I don't think that'll happen because co-play is a great way to play games. People love it from when they were growing up and, and remember it Absolutely. fondly. Grew up so, on the land party, so this is yeah, a nice, it, nice evolution. Exactly. I mean, if I if people don't make those games, I guess I'll make a game. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, that's how Cuphead started. Um, yeah. And so then, have you guys thought, have you guys tried launching anything on a mobile platform, or are you guys still focus uh, specifically on desktops? Uh, we have a client that runs on Android, so um, that would work on your mo- on your phone, on your Android television uh, tool, that kind of stuff. But it, it's experimental, it's so experimental. we don't really advertise it much. Yeah, because I was going to say, would it be possible if you had a, a controller to be able to play, say, Cuphead on your phone by launching it through Parsec? Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a hell of a... That's a hell of a technological step. I mean, that's something that should definitively be getting into people's ears because that's sort of, uh, in my opinion, at least sort of uh, steps ahead of the argument that 
all gaming is moving to mobile by allowing your actual gaming to be played on mobile. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the the only thing is is that you know it's a small it's a small screen. It's kind of weird to be like carrying a gamepad with you with yeah, your phone. That's true. Um, like I'd rather play Cuphead on my TV. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But like you know, as someone who uh, is a big fan of Nintendo Switch, I was pretty you know doubtful about it when it first began. But you know, I think people are going to soon start moving into the idea of um, a movable uh, console or a transportable console that you can sort of take gaming on the way. And I think um, by setting up or connection through Wi-Fi. You know, I, I, you know, I agree. It, it's definitively uh, a preference for, you know, playing on a television and on a console. But if you guys have the ability to, there's plenty of situations where I can imagine someone um, being able to uh, use it for their phone. Totally. And so, you know, I guess then moving forward, you guys are just going to be, you know, sort of expanding and, you know, building on this. Is there anything new, um, anything people should be looking for from the Parsec team or is it just going to be a steady upgrade? So it's already a pretty great product. Yeah, I think we'll add a lot more social functionality into the product so that you can play games with friends and, and uh, you know, invite your friends to play and things like that. We just released um, URL links that allow you to uh, invite a friend to play via URL link. So mm-hmm. they can just, you know, put that in their browser. It connects you to them, them to you. Uh, and then additionally, we've released, uh, we'll be releasing a lot more like permissions and, and management of your friend of your friend's rights when mm-hmm. they connect to your gaming PC because mm-hmm. obviously people always want to like protect them themselves absolutely absolutely and um, you know uh, I guess last have you guys thought about partnering with any of these um, like twitch or YouTube or mixer? Sure. If you know anyone there, let me know. I will absolutely. I will. I'll, I'll check out the Rolodex and I'll see what I can get your way. Um, Thanks. Thank you. I know. I, I know you guys are pretty busy. It's the middle of a Tuesday afternoon, so I don't want to hold you up too much. Uh, I just want to say thank you again for uh, you know taking the time, you know, speaking with me, um, and again for being the first guest uh, on our podcast. Um, and hopefully, we'll have you back here and we'll we'll talk and we'll keep up with Parsec's progress. That'd be awesome. Thanks a lot for including me and, and give me a call. It's, it's a great opportunity to just tell people about Parsec and, and help them understand how we how we look at the world. So Absolutely. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, man. It's been a pleasure, right. and I'll speak with you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.